0: On the of Hello everyone and welcome to not just another edition of Talking Tigs but probably the greatest edition of Talking Tigs to date uh, because right now as of today LSU are national champions and they did it by beating Clemson 42-25 to 25, uh, just kind of like we all thought they would and they just they took home the title. A perfect end to a perfect season. Uh, you know, we're going to get into the game itself. We're going to get into what happened immediately after the game and over the course of the week. Because uh, even though the season's over, a lot has gone down since then with uh, coaching changes, recruiting, um, you know, recruiting guys to stay. Even, uh, but we'll get into all that. Uh, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talking TIGS. No G and Talking. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as the Talkin' TIGS Podcast. And you can also find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Well, a uh, lot to get, a uh, lot to get in here. But um, guys, talk to me. H- how are you? What you know? It's it's been a week since LSU's basically won the title. So, uh, so where are you at? You
1: know, it's it's great to be here. I can't. I I don't think anybody would have, uh, you know, said definitively. Oh yeah, we're the favorite to win the championship. We're going in. We're gonna. You know, we're gonna. At, in August, I mean, you know, right before the season started, I don't think anybody would have predicted we'd be here. Definitively, we definitely, you know, if we thought we were going to compete. We thought we were going to do well. I'm, I'm still kind of in shock, you know, not, not because I didn't, not because we, uh, we didn't have the talent, or not because I thought it was, you know, some sort of upset or anything, but this is just not, um, you know, this is not what I expected for this season, and I'm, so, you know, I'm so excited that, uh, that we won and and you yeah, know, this means so much for our program, for our school and for the state of Louisiana. But, uh, I think just like everyone else in, in, uh, in the state right now, I'm just on cloud nine and that cloud nine is Joe Burrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's, it's just been amazing. Uh, it's been a week now. And like you said, it's still kind of coming down, but just it's insanity. What's happened. I mean, the confetti's rained down the trophy, that plastic tube has been lifted, uh, This team has been immortalized in in LSU and college football history, and it's so strange that it's kind of come and gone now, but there was no better way to close out the season than that. The greatest game from the the greatest team, and it's something that I know us and every listener and every LSU Tiger fan will remember and and hold dearly for a long, long time, and so just glad to to go into it all with y'all.
0: Yeah, amen. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) What, like we've said before, you know, what, what a season to start a pod. And, uh, you know, you could say it's you know it could have been the same in 2007 when they won the title or 2003, but I, I don't think so. You know, it's just uh, – there's just something different about this year from start to finish. You know, it's just 2007, it's like you, you knew you had a good team, but then, you know, they lost in overtime to, uh, you know, Arkansas or, or, or Kentucky, whoever – both of them actually – but uh you know and then they they just had the better players when it got to the championship game but you know this year it, it didn't even come close to that you know it's uh, Auburn was our closest game and you know it's just cuz they tried something new on defense uh but the rest of the season it, it was perfect basically you know they had to win the they had the fight to win games but i mean just think about it um perfect record they had uh pretty much almost a perfect uh postseason trophy record just to show you that the talent they're working with and just what they're able to put together and just you know just total dominance in the semifinal game and um, after about nine minutes of the second quarter they pretty much dominated uh, the title game too and it was just I, I think it's it's I'm partly in shock uh, like you were saying Tommy it's just you know it's did you know do we believe it but it's for me it's just it seemed too good to be true it's you know cuz we've experienced titles before obviously but just from start to finish it just seemed like they surpassed every other title game not just lsus but you know possibly any team you know before this year cuz it just you know they did everything uh to the max and it's just yeah it's hard to it's hard to believe what we just witnessed
1: yeah no it's 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 uh it's just incredible, and and we we said it, you know, going into, uh, you know, the after pretty much after the Bama game, we started talking about, you know, everybody needs to cherish this season because this is like one that we made, but we we might never see something like this again, and I think that, topping it off, 15 and 0 national champions, you know, undisputed national champions, basically won every game handily, um, that you can't, you know, we went out on top, and that's, uh, and, and that's that. So it's it's an incredible season and of course after uh, after we've lost I mean after we've lost our two you know, two pivotal coaches, now everyone's kinda worried about the future, what's gonna happen, but you know, there's still a lot of time to, to enjoy and, and uh, celebrate this team and celebrate uh this, these great accomplishments.
2: Yeah. And speaking of the celebrations, Tommy and I got to go to the parade and the trophy ceremony on Saturday. Wish you could have been there, Scott, but we had an amazing time. It was great to see all the the Tiger faithful out there. I, I was expecting a big crowd, but not like what we saw. It was just packed from up and down the hill around Tiger Stadium. And then in the Inside the the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, we barely made it to the very top, and they had to shut the doors down to keep people out. There were so many. And everybody, in the trophy ceremony itself, literally almost every single time somebody said something, it was a standing ovation. And just the energy was incredible, <laughs> and deservedly so. Um, the players and the coaches and everybody were just having an amazing time, and it's, it's worth it for this amazing season. Yeah, I, I saw something Michael
0: Bonnet posted. He said it kind of looked like game day traffic.
2: Uh, so it was...
1: Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. they
0: they came out in droves, right?
1: Yeah, and when we were leaving we were trying to go, um we tried to go eat at the Chimes. Uh and if y'all don't know what that is, it's like an um, you know, kinda institution little restaurant type deal. And it was a two hour wait and I was like, you know, it and then we we're driving around and the cars were backed up all up and down Highland. So, yeah, you're right. It, it was really, it really was like a game day atmosphere. I remember we were walking down the hill towards uh, Tiger Stadium. I looked at Daniel and I was like, this is, it feels like a game day. It's so weird. But I'm glad that, you know, it was great that, that everybody came out and supported that team because, um, you know, that's probably the last time you get to see everybody together in that, you know, in that, uh, in that atmosphere. And Got to celebrate all the great awards. The Heisman Trophy was there. The coaches, the Crystal Ball coaches trophy was there. The the tube trophy was there, and uh, and, and you
0: know it was it was a great experience to uh, to see everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, let's I say let's just uh, just dive into this game because there's you know there's a lot to to pick apart because, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't look, well, it didn't start out like, like LSU's normal games. You know, it took them a few possessions to get going. Um, but then after that, I think the offense just, they found a rhythm and they kept going and then LSU's defense, they actually had some good stops early. Then, you know, Clemson had some, some big plays and you know that's what got us down. Uh, cause we hadn't been down 10 points before but i i didn't feel i didn't feel nervous at all i didn't feel anything cuz i knew those first two drives you know it was mostly field possession you know there was some penalties here and there uh but then the second half uh you know the tigers just came out and you know, they they didn't they didn't miss a beat from the first half and they just kept it going um yeah the offense looked the same i'd say the defense you know the guys that had been good here and there throughout the year, they, everyone showed up, you know, Grant Delp had probably had one of his best games of the year, you know, saving the best for last, uh, we can get into defensive stuff too, but, um, you know, just every phase of the game, LSU was, it seemed like the most prepared team. Um, I don't know what, uh, you know, I guess what are your overall impressions of the game, uh, Daniel, would you say that's that's pretty accurate? You know, they kind of kind of started slow, but then, you know, it's just they became who the, who we, we know them as.
2: Right. I mean, you can't argue with the fact that Clemson kind of came out and slapped us in the face, woke us up a little bit right at the beginning. We were coming high off that uh, big win in the Peach Bowl against Oklahoma, which was not even close a single moment of the game, really. But this one, they came out, and they looked like they were ready to go. On offense and defense, they were the ones with all the big plays, uh, mostly through the whole first quarter, and then and then into the second quarter when we were back on our heels, down 17 to seven, and I was thinking to myself, oh no, like this seemed like the magical season run, and then now it's going to come in defeat at the hands of Davos Sweeney and uh, and Trevor Lawrence in just such a, a tragic way. But the team dug deep, found what they needed to, went back to what worked. Uh, Isolation matchups on the outside, Jamar Chase down the line. He had a huge game, over 200 yards receiving, and then just kind of grinding them down. Defense stepped up. We were getting to the quarterback. That was something that we emphasized in our previews, that putting the pressure on Trevor Lawrence is going to cause him to make mistakes, and our DBs can isolate on the edge to where they've got just nowhere to go. And then once we – tuned into that game plan, made the adjustments. It was all downhill from there, and we just kept scoring, and then it was all over pretty much uh, into the third quarter. Well, I say that, and then Clemson was only ahead by three, but then uh, it, it was never really kind of as close as it seemed towards the end, and just a, a great way to go out. Tommy, do you have something to add with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're right. You know, opening into the game, we really got pushed around, and uh, – you're right, Scott. That the the field position starting out was not you know to our advantage at all. We we started out within the ten, uh, ten yard our own ten yard line like three three drives in a row. Yeah. Um, but you know I think that I think that's really a testament to how good uh, Joe Brady, yeah, you know, the late the late great Joe Brady, and <laughs> uh, and Steve Insminger were for for LSU this year. Is that that you know they they made the adjustments against you know one of the top defenses in the country. And uh, Burrow was able to, to make the plays necessary and, and really test uh, test Clemson down the field, um, which opened up you know a lot of the offense. He saw a lot of uh, a lot of those deep balls to uh, a couple deep balls to Thad Moss and, and a, a lot of deep balls to Jamar Chase, and uh, that's really what you know was kind of uh, eased us into it and and, um, and kind of took the pressure off of uh, off of us. You know, because because we were able to deal with Clemson's blitzing. Um, you know, Clemson sends sends a bunch of pass rushers at at Burrow. He makes a move and throws it downfield, and Jamar Chase burns somebody. Then they have to respect us a little bit more. But um, you know, I was I was nervous at the beginning. I, I was I didn't like the way we were playing to, at the beginning. I, Scott, you you remember I I
0: tweeted oh, yeah. out. I was gonna mention it. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I know. I know. I wasn't gonna get out of I wasn't gonna get out of this podcast alive without mentioning it. So I'm just gonna go ahead and, and say it. Uh, I deserve all the all the hate because I, I did tweet. Is this 2012 again? Um, <laughs> but but that was you know within that first with that first quarter, you know I was not I was not confident at all because it just seemed like we were watching a different team. Now L, the LSU we we watched for 15 games or 14 games emerged. And uh, really turned it on in the, in the second quarter, and, and then second half was you know pretty much domination, but um, or as much domination as you can get against the Clemson team. But yeah, I was not, I was not, um, I was not confident to begin with uh, with some of those you know the first drives. But uh, I think the you know the, the proof is in the pudding. We sealed it and uh, pretty much won definitively. So. Um, I guess I you know I deserve a couple of clown emojis
2: on that. Team. <laughs> yeah, freezing cold take. I mean you you weren't the one that predicted we would have like seven or eight wins at the most like me at the beginning of the season. So uh, I got completely turned around, but at least you had one uh one bad game.
1: Yeah, and, and I did believe in Burrow, unlike another person on this podcast.
0: No comment. <laughs> yeah, you better not know comment. Uh, so yeah, so it it was uh, what you said, Tommy. It's it was spot on about them. You know, they were bringing pressure. They were bringing the heat early and often. And even even Kirk Herbstreit uh, pointed out during the broadcast, he he mentioned that uh, it looked like Clemson was using the same defense, at least for the first few drives that Auburn did. And like you said, I think they they kind of figured it out. They got their rhythm. I think they got their rhythm. I don't know if you guys remember this. I think it was still, I don't know. I think LSU was trying to still trying to get on the board, or they. It, it might have been during that second touchdown drive where Clyde edwards her layer, he got the ball and then he uh, he trucked a dude and then he kept going, and it seemed like right after that you know things just started clicking and they found the rhythm and then it just it went back to because you know at that point it was 17-7 I think and then you know, LSU scored. Twenty-one unanswered, uh, and then that's that's it. Was all she wrote after that. Um, I I don't know. I, I can't explain why I didn't get nervous after they were down seventeen to seven. I guess I was in the sh- I was in the shock phase of this is not there, there's no way that they are going to go through the rest of the game just like this. You know, it brought back images of twenty twenty twelve, obviously, but um, for for different reasons. You know, I just I I thought oh, my God, please tell me Miles is not going to go with this game plan the rest of the game as opposed to there's no way that Clemson is just going to shut them down. Because I knew they were so close. Remember, they they had a, a first down to the 50. It was just called back. It called back. You know, there was a couple of those. So I just felt like, you know what, they're, they're close, they're trying it, and uh, they're lucky to you know only be down, I think, 7-0 because Clemson had the ball twice in our territory, and they came away with... Uh, with nothing at first, so that's why I felt like, all right, the defenses hold them, they're just, it it took LSU's offense a little bit to get going, but once they did, there was no looking back and everyone, you know, Joe Burrow had one of his nights, it wasn't the most efficient night he had, but who cares, he passed for 460-something yards, accounted for, uh, was it five or six TDs?
2: Five Uh, passing, one rushing, yeah. Yeah.
0: He called his own number for the second touchdown, it looked like a a design run, and I knew Joe was probably going to get some of those uh because you know why not um the, the guy makes quick decisions and i think that's what makes him so effective um i would say was it the last few games you know we've had lsu guy go over 200 yards uh, and it's been different each time so it's you know pick your poison you know if you're going to if you're going to try and play defense against him uh i just think this year this season this offense there wasn't anyone that's going to beat lsu clemson came you know probably the closest because uh, they had it, you know, they're only down three points, and there's plenty of game left. But I don't think anyone was going to stop them. Um, I don't know, Tommy. I mean, is there is there anything, anything new to add? Because the offense, like I said, after the first few possessions, they started to look like the same. But I don't know. I mean, what what can you say about the offense that uh that we that we haven't probably already said a dozen times already? I think we I think we did. Um, the interesting thing about
1: that game, the national championship game, is we got to see the final piece that we really never had to see um from this LSU offense and that was playing from behind mm. and and not even right. and not and not just playing for you know there were times in other games where we um weren't leading but you know we were never buried in a game and obviously we weren't buried in this game it's not like we came back from a 20 point deficit or something but this was the first game where i think we really got to see what it was like when when uh, we're you're down LSU's down, and for at least you know for a quarter, Burrow and company can't really do anything, and they're not you know they're having a hard time figuring it out, and I think that's even more of a testament to how how well coached and how well prepared this entire team is that and and the amount of intensity and and grit and uh, and uh, you know and, and just excellence that they play with to be able to to uh, overcome that adversity because you know this is the this is the first time lsu's ever been in the playoff this is the first time that at lsu um you know this is probably the best or this is clearly the best team lsu played all year and for a lot of those players you know this is this is the biggest game or no for i think for ev- every one of those players that'd be the biggest game they ever played in you know it's not like it's not like they were on the 2007 team and or as a freshman or something you know that was long or even the 2012 game that was a long time ago mm-hmm. so uh to be able to show that, show that uh, uh, you know ability to overcome adversity and and come back, I think that that was the final the final thing we hadn't seen from that offense, and um, you know that just further proved that that this was probably the most dominant college football team ever to play the game. Yeah,
2: I, to, I was gonna say I just had two things to add on, kind of like keys to what I thought were part of our turnaround on offense. One was that at the beginning. Clemson was getting to Joe Burrow a lot, especially James Skalski, uh, their, their middle linebacker, had a lot of rushes, a couple of hits, and then he got ejected for targeting, I think, in the second or third quarter, and that kind of swung them around. Clemson was on their heels after that. They needed his leadership, and we shorted up our pl- pass blocking. And the other thing is, uh, shout out to our good friend Josh Lemoyne, LSU Truth, for calling out before the game that Thaddeus Moss is going to play a big part. And he only came away with 36 yards receiving, but he had two touchdowns, a big target in the red zone. Plus, he did a great job of uh, run blocking and pass blocking, really opening up those holes for Clyde, and then just being that threat on the inside to allow Jamar Chase to be lethal on the outside. And so he made a, a perfect call there, and I think it definitely helped us out a lot. But, yeah, back to what you are saying, Scott.
0: No, well, I was just going to – I just wanted to ask both of you guys, um, Now, do you think after this win uh, – is it safe to say that maybe LSU is the most complete team in the nation?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't even think that's the question. I think the question is, are they the most complete team ever to play the game? And, ah. uh, and I think the answer may be yes. you know that it's really hard to compare teams. Everybody's talking about what uh, the, you know the '05 uh, USC team or the uh, 01 Miami team, but um I you know I I don't think that I've ever seen uh or I don't think we I don't think we'll ever see a team dominate the way we did. It it was it's really incredible. Um and it's it's weird to me that it doesn't even really you know we won the national championship and I'm kind of just like okay, now what? Because we it wasn't it, it was ex, it was extremely exciting, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like a uh it wasn't a barn burning game. You know what I mean? By the mm-hmm. by, the second quarter, uh, we pretty much won it, and you know, barring anything crazy, we were probably gonna we were gonna be national champions,
0: and so uh, it, it's just a testament to how dominant this team is. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, I'd say probably gave them their best game of the season. Yeah, it
2: wasn't it wasn't the closest score-wise, but I would say competition-wise, right. it was probably the closest. Maybe Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Well, think about
0: this though. Um, Against Clemson, LSU punted seven times, seven times uh, for 312 yards, Um, and that's you know, I think what was it against UGA and Oklahoma, you know, our our two playoff games. I'm sorry, uh, the SEC championship and our first playoff game, they punted I think three times combined. (laughs) Uh, So that just kind of just tells you right there, you know, Clemson Clemson was definitely ready. Um, you know, they were just. I think they were just outmatched. You know, um, I mean, offensively, you know, they they trust. They wanted to trust their cornerbacks on on an island, apparently. But you know, you, you can't do that against Joe Burrow and you know two of the best receivers in the country. Um, but, you know, as far as LSU's defense goes, uh, they. I think they did really well. I mean, I know they got Clemson got the lead first, but you know, LSU just had to make stops here and there. Kind of how it was been. You know, kind of how it was for the whole season against our stiffer competition, you know, except Oklahoma, um, they just had to get enough to stop so that LSU's offense could keep going because no one could seem to stop them. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence, uh, he, I mean, he he did well, but he didn't have one passing touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown, but he only had, like, 50 yards. But against, Oklahoma, uh, against Ohio State, he had 107 yards in a TD, and you know that's pretty much I think what helped them win that that first playoff game. But uh, LSU's defense, man, uh, they they just look lights out. Everybody, I know we're losing some guys, but that that defense, uh, that, they looked really good. Yes, they gave up 25, but honestly, does it matter? You know. I mean they you're going up against Clemson you're going up against a team that put up forty one against Alabama last year and has been undefeated for twenty something straight games so uh I, I think there's a little bit of slack here, plus just they you know they made the plays. Clemson threw everything at them, and it still wasn't enough. You I mean they started the game off with a trick play, and then I think their uh their second touchdown uh was like a, a wide receiver reverse or something. So they mm-hmm. were throwing everything at LSU that they could in the first and second quarter, and they were still down 28 to 17 at halftime. So that's you know that just kind of tells you where things were at at that point. Um, I'll, we can go back to you, Daniel, as far as uh, you know the defense. Um, I guess kind of like the same question I posed, Tommy. Uh, what did you see from the defense that you know maybe you hadn't seen? consistently all season or maybe just something that was different uh, in this, in this last game.
2: Yeah. So the defense obviously stepped up big. I think Grant Delpit was arguably the, the MVP of this game. He had six tackles, including uh, one sack. He played like the, the all American Jim Thorpe player that he is. And uh, Patrick Queen also had a big showing today and got a shout out Richard Lawrence and Glenn Logan and the other uh, defensive line players for really getting the pressure on Trevor Lawrence and making him uncomfortable. But after all that said, I think the player that, who deserves almost the biggest recognition is somebody whose name they didn't really call pretty much all night, which is Derek Stingley. He finished the game with two tackles, but the stat sheet is almost empty because they hardly even targeted him. He was just blanketing Justin Ross and T. Higgins. Uh, Christian Fulton had to get his work in. He, they kind of tried to pick on him, so that see, shows you a little bit about kind of who they thought our, our true number one is. Uh, no disrespect to Christian Fulton, he's going to be a, a top – Pick in this draft, but Derek Stingley just showed up big, and then allowed us to just kind of direct the flow of Clemson's offense in a way that made it much more manageable. And so, yeah, those are the main things. Uh, Tommy, could you build on that?
1: I just think that I think that the entire defensive unit, um, you know, executed as well as they have the entire year. This was definitely our 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 best defensive performance, I'd say, um, against you know some of the some of the best competition you'll see in college football. And the I think that the thing that struck me the most is if you watch Trevor Lawrence, you know, 99% of the time he's as accurate as anybody. You know, he's he's up there with Burrow as far as accuracy goes, and he's he's pretty mobile in the pocket. He's he's a big, tall guy. He can see, uh, you know, see the whole field, and he's able to uh, to navigate the pocket and and you know deliver to his receivers. In this game though, he was overthrowing guys. Did you see this? I mean, he was throwing, so, he was throwing balls oh, out of yeah. bounds and not yeah. on purpose. You know, it, and that was the first time i would really ever seen Trevor Lawrence rattled. And I think that's, you know, the late, great Dave, Dave Aranda deserves a lot of credit for that because, you know, he, there were a lot of questions about Dave Aranda going into this game, uh, or not going into this game, it, uh, you know, towards the beginning of this season about, you know, what's wrong with our defense? Can he do, you know, what's, do we need, fire Aranda, what's going on? And he proved in that national championship that, you know, he is one of the top defensive minds in college football. He, you know, arguably earned his, uh, his job at Baylor that night because he shut down a guy who, you know, last year, would, uh, going into the season was probably, you know, between him and Tua was the Heisman favorite, a guy who, was, who people say is NFL-ready today, you know, would be the number one pick in the draft right now if he, uh, if he left. And he, you know, might have been the number one pick last year after his season last year if he'd left, and so, or if he could leave. So yeah. I think that that, you know, you're right. I, Derek Stingley is a huge part of that. Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, um, but I think it's a whole uh, as a whole unit. You know, they they knew that the the keys to winning that game on the defensive side of the ball were to shut down Trevor Lawrence, make him really uncomfortable, and make him throw those tight you know tight throws. Uh, almost on a dinner plate you know landed on a dinner plate and he uh
0: and you know he couldn't do it because we just had such good pressure yeah Kalevon Chason was a huge factor with that you know if he, he didn't get I think he had one sack but he he was in the backfield a lot whether he got to Lawrence but I think it kind of goes to what you're saying about you know Lawrence feeling under pressure and making uh errant throws uh because he's just he, he wasn't comfortable uh, and Michael Divinity, although you know he wasn't, I don't think he really had many stats, but he he got playing time early, and he he was slightly disruptive. He he got back there too. We we were wondering if he was going to be, you know, rusty and how he would be. Uh, I mean, but he, they they put him in early. He didn't really have many stats, but I could see him active. He was in the backfield. He was one of those guys that was pressuring Trevor Lawrence. Um, but yeah, this uh, yeah, it was just amazing because it's. Um, I mean, they held Travis Etienne to under 80 yards rushing, which is amazing, on top of holding Trevor Lawrence to only 234 yards with no touchdown passes. And you could just see the look on his face when he fumbled the ball. I remember when Grant Delpit um, caused that fumble in the fourth quarter. Just that look on his face, that was it. I mean, we kind of knew it was over then, but that's kind of when it sunk in for him because they hadn't lost you know, in 29 straight games. He hasn't lost as a starter lost. in college. And he hadn't
1: lost. He hadn't lost a game since his,
0: I think, like what junior
1: year of high school or something. Yeah. You know, they they, they did a whole spot on that, uh, on the pregame, and about you know how, oh, you know he's never he hasn't lost since high he hasn't lost since high school, and and this won't be the day, and and you know it, uh, it was really incredible to watch that this guy who and I'm I'm you know very high on Trevor Lawrence. I think he I think he's great. I think he's uh you know every game that I've watched of his except for that one against. You know LSU, he looks uh, he looks like the best quarterback in college. But um,
2: yeah, uh, not to not to brag, but I've lost less games in college than Trevor Lawrence. Just throwing that out there. It's true, facts <laughs> only. But um, right.
1: but you know, I think that I think really, and you know, you can't say, oh well, Trevor Lawrence, he's expo- He was exposed in that game. He's not any
0: good. No, I think that's just how good LSU's defense played. Yeah, and you know, it, I know we're gonna lose some guys, but we got a lot of guys coming back. Too, and they're going to need them. But uh, I mean, just it just shows that you know, the, the talent that they had uh, was definitely up to the challenge. Because you know, Clemson, they they had seven guys that have that were playing in their third straight national championship game. You know, you, you can't you usually don't get uh, experience like that. Meanwhile, this was every everybody on that LSU team. It was their first college football playoff. Um, so uh, you know, they they didn't seem phased by the stage at all. Um, again, uh, you know, there was some, you know, Clemson got ahead ahead there in the beginning, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that they, it was from poor play. It was just maybe good execution on, on Clemson's part, you know, just good play calls at the right time. Um, but they, they just, they didn't seem out of the game ever. Even when they were down 10 points, I didn't feel like they were out of the game. It was just, uh, you know, a few plays here, here and there that could have gone the other way. Um, but man, what an atmosphere. I think I think probably being in the dome, um I don't know, and just everything leading up to that, you know, playing in their home state, after no one thought that they would I think that just kinda gave them this, this confidence. You know, I I heard that <laughs> they were asking Joe Burrow if he got his ring if he knows his ring size and he said, Yeah, it's ten ten and a quarter, whatever. We already got fitted. I mean they got fitted before the game for their rings, so that just kinda tells you the mindset they had going into it. So I don't think anyone was gonna be anyone in college football was gonna beat LSU in that game that night. It just it just no, wasn't gonna happen. No, I agree. I think I think we were a team of destiny. You know, you can you can yeah.
1: you could see it. There was there was just something about this team the whole season, um, and when you know by the time that uh, by the time it came around, you know now I, like I said, I was I was nervous in that uh, in that first quarter. Sure. Um, but I think that was also. It was almost just like a PTSD from from the twenty twelve team. Not that <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a little bit of projection. Rightfully was, so. Rightfully so. I mean, if you remember that game, we
2: couldn't oh, do anything,
1: yeah. and it was it was a completely different team on the field, and I just I just did not I could not bear to see that. Like if that, I was like, if this is gonna be our fate, I want I don't just just you know knock the cable out right now. I don't want to see it, and so. You know luckily, we were not and uh and you know now we're the national champions we're you know undisputed best team in college football best team maybe best team ever, everything like that um but just the just the thought of us going into the dome again and laying an egg the way that we did in twenty twelve uh <laughs> you know it uh still keeps me up at night,
2: right, yeah, well, hopefully never again.
0: Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, well, I mean, I know we we're going to get into, uh, you know, what, you know, the after the after effects of, of LSU winning this title, which seemed like, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. It seemed like a team of destiny. And I think a lot of the, uh, you know, other players and coaches probably felt that way. That's probably why some of them, you know, have already declared or have already found uh, positions on other teams, you know, because they probably, you know, just... I don't know if they're gonna repeat I mean I hope they do obviously, but um it was just this year, and it was happening um but before we get into who's who's going and who's staying uh just what a week for the team, you know they had the game and they won that on Monday, and then just you know just uh just the videos of the backstage, them smoking cigars, uh someone almost getting arrested, you had Odell Beckham just. Wild out all over the stadium, you know, in the stands, on the field, in the locker room. He's supposedly going to be under arrest, um, but I, I don't know. But you know, he's giving out cash. Who knows if it was real or not? You know, straight cash, homie, right on the field after the game. That was just. And then you had the the White House visit and the videos that came out from that. Uh, it's just it's just insane. I just. I, I don't know if we maybe go back to the, you know, the early Miami teams, not, not 2001, but more like, you know, when they established themselves as the U and all that swag they had. I think LSU just had that much swag this week, last week, all of it. It just, it just really, really stuck out, right?
1: Yeah, you know, they, uh, that team, you know, our, we, we played, you know, that, that was, we were such a loose team. We played, and you could tell they were all having fun. And... Um, you know, I think that contributes to, to, uh, to their confidence and to their success on the field because, if, you know, if they're, they're, when you're loose and you're having a good time and, and you're not, you know, worried about it, that, that obviously shows that you're prepared and you're, you're not even, you know, thinking about, oh, what happens if this happens? Oh, we're not prepared for this. We can't handle this. You know, they were, uh, they were prepared. It seemed like you know for every game, and 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 uh, and that allowed them to you know do the get the gap videos and and do all that. So I, I think it's you know just a testament again to how great this team is and how uh, and how dominant they were. Yeah,
2: you know? it was a bit of a, a three-ring circus, you could call it, but a, a happy one of that. Like you said, with Odell, it's kind of like Manny Ramirez, Manny being Manny. These days, it's pretty much Odell being Odell. Um, But, yeah, him, we won't have to dive into all of his antics. But then the videos of getting the gat in the the Oval Office is pretty hilarious. Uh, And then uh, just everything after that with the videos that came out. But you can see the team was having fun through all of it. And I think that's really what propelled our team to such heights was the, the teamwork and just cohesiveness they had together as a unit, and the ability to have fun both on and off the field. Uh, Thankfully not too much fun off the field, but just a a good time, and that's something that I know those guys will remember, and it's a a special part of this this season, just kind of in addition to obviously the great play.
1: You know, Daniel, I wouldn't even call it a three-ring circus. I I think it's more of a four-ring circus after
0: winning our fourth
1: national championship.
2: (laughs) Oh, very good (laughs) point.
0: Whoa. Um <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say bumped but, um, tis, but it, it's not really a, a rimshot kind of thing but it is uh well done Tommy well done um all right so now we can get to uh you know the after the after effects from this game do we want to start with the good news or the bad news first Let's go with
2: so the Let's first. do players first who's gone Yeah well
0: um pretty much Everybody on offense is gone. Uh, well, actually, no. Jamar Chase is staying, but uh, uh, Joe Burrow's gone. Obviously, has expired his uh, eligibility. Same with uh, Justin Jefferson. Right. Um, Clyde declared, and our whole that's...
2: offensive line, besides Austin Deakins, all of our starters. Two seniors, Adrian McGee and Damian Lewis, both seniors. They're gone. And then Sadiq right. Charles and Lloyd Cushenberry, both juniors, both declared for the NFL. So right tackle oh. Austin Declas is the only returning starter. Yeah, plus Ed,
1: Ed Ingram's thing, right.
2: Ed Ingram's returning. He f- hey, filled in a lot. Uh Dare Rosenthal backed up uh for Fried- Sadiq Charles a few games uh when he was out with suspension. So we got guys filling in. And then yeah. plus uh Thaddeus Moss tied in has declared as well, so he'll be gone. But thankfully we have the number one tight end in the country coming in to replace him. Yep, yep. My we got goodness. Pancake Thomas. We got Pancake Thomas coming in to lock it down on the, the blind side.
0: That's right. Oh, I've still That's got right. possibility. I could get play. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, and so defense. Who do we know is leaving? Grant's gone.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grant Delpit. Yeah, Patrick Queen, Rashard Christian Fulton, gone. Jacob Phillips, Rashad Lawrence, uh, all leaving. I'm not sure – or, yeah, Michael DeVinney is a senior, so he will not return. Caleb Chase okay. on, declared. Fahoko's gone. Fahoko, yeah, was a senior. Really, but, the only people we got coming back are, like, Derek Stingley. Uh, Jacoby Stevens announced that he was returning. That's big.
1: It is. And Carey Vincent, too.
2: Yeah, he'll definitely step up. And then, plus, we got a lot of great defensive recruits coming in to fill in those gaps. So it's not the end of the world, thankfully. Yeah, I just
1: I, I worry a lot about that, that linebacking core, um, losing basically all four of our of our you know inside and outside linebackers, you know we'll be starting, uh you know probably some some guys who, and they've got you know Demond Clark got got play time, uh Marcel Brooks got play time this year, but um you know they might you might see some true freshmen starting an inside linebacker with uh Antoine Sampa coming in, um and is that is that it Antoine?
2: Yeah, Antoine Stanley,
1: yeah. um, and then uh, Philip Webb, right? He's also an inside linebacker, so, uh, you know, you might see them start have to start next year, which you know could be could be good. It could be like a Stingley situation where he's get he's ready day one, but, you know, you don't see too many guys like Stingley who who are basically NFL ready ready at the age of 17, and. So uh, I do – you know, I think that out of out of uh, all the losses that we've had on the defensive side of the ball, those linebackers uh, probably scare me the most. But I don't right. know about y'all.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a, a good problem to have, obviously. If you got all these players going to the NFL, you know they were great talents. And then plus, with a program like LSU, you've got four stars and five stars coming in to fill their roles. But, yeah, you, you do worry. You're right with the, the linebackers. Who's going to be that central leader to step up? Obviously, you have Jacoby Stevens uh, who – they pretty much announced that he's going to get 18. Jacob Hester was heavily uh, hinting at it. Hinting at that. I couldn't think of the word during the trophy ceremony. So he'll probably step up there. But, yeah, we'll need some linebackers. D-line will be pretty good, even though uh, Rashard Lawrence is leaving, because Glenn Logan and uh, Neil Farrell Jr. will be back. And we've got a couple other guys off the edge, so that's good. But, yeah, we'll just have to see. And... Uh, I mean, I guess it's good that hopefully in two or three years, then everybody will be juniors and seniors again, and we'll have that spot uh back to where we are now, but I think we'll be okay
1: yeah no yeah, I, I, think, think... I think we'll definitely be okay, but um you know you you can't teach experience, and this team you know it started like they said at the celebration we saw richard Lawrence say it, and you know and and a lot of people were talking about it last year when at this time when when we were wondering about you know, what's the team going to look like going into 2019? Uh, you know, Richard Lawrence and some other key seniors, you know, choosing to stay, that experience, at, you know, four years of experience really um, really helps, uh, helps with the team.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, the guys that we're losing, uh, you know, I think we have to kind of trust that they've recruited the guys that are going to replace them. You know, yeah, we're losing a lot of guys on the line, the defensive line, but, you know, we also have, the guys that we really wanted that were able to sign. Jacoby and Guillory, Jacqueline Roy, uh, you know, guys like that. And then, you know, yeah,
2: I mean. Tom, we, Tyler I, Shelvin back as well. He made a big impact this year. Yes, yes,
0: exactly. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, we're losing uh, Fulton. And, you know, not many, you know, there's, no, there's only one Derek Stingley out there. But we have the, the next Derek Stingley of the next class in Elias Ricks. And, you know, if he can step in and perform as well as Stingley did, then, you know, I don't know who's going to pass on LSU next year. So, you know, there's some positions, you know, maybe there could be an improvement. You know, I guess we'll wait and see. But um, a lot of good talent coming in to replace them. Uh, I think the, what would be key is, you know, who's going to be coaching these guys because we still don't know
2: well, before Ooh. before we go into the coaches, do I want to talk about the the biggest kind of question mark for me? Who's going to play quarterback? Obviously, Miles Brennan is kind of the heir to the throne, but and then we've got some good people in the locker room with him, Peter Parrish, and then we have got two incoming freshmen with uh, T.J. Finley and Max Johnson. But none John of these guys Gordon are in. John Gordon McCarney. He's got, he's in there. He's got the clipboard. But <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> he's, got, he's got that orange vest on.
2: But yeah, none of these guys are really proven. Obviously, Miles Brennan has the most playing time albeit be limited but and he's done really good things I, I have confidence in him but some people were looking for LSU to get maybe another graduate transfer like uh Joe Burrow and those opportunities may or may not have passed us by a little bit just to, to catch up our viewers uh Jamie Newman was the starting quarterback for Wake Forest who had a big year this year he is transferred to Georgia eligible immediately and uh Who else am I thinking of? Oh, yeah, Derek King was a starter from Houston who had a big year two years ago and pretty much redshirted himself this past year in kind of a bizarre turn of events. But he's gone to Miami, so maybe the U is back. And kind of the big remaining target is Chase Bryce, who is actually Trevor Lawrence's backup at Clemson. He's entered the transfer portal. And as of today, which is January 19th, he has not announced where he is going. So is he on the LSU Tigers' radar? I don't know. But I would say if we don't sweep him up, then it's going to be Miles Brennan under center.
0: Well, hold on, well, yeah, it could be, um, I think he's no, most likely, TJ. but yeah t j. finley though I mean he, the guy was already he's he's been in bull practice this whole time, so who knows uh I think though that if if anyone if they because said he would definitely consider a, a transfer, which I, I don't know though i you know, are these guys Joe burrow, if they are then great, but um, you know he's like you already got miles Brennan there and t j. Finley and Peter Parrish, it's. If they bring someone in, we're going to lose one to two of those guys probably right away, you know, um, especially with the, the transfer portal the way it is now. So I don't know. It's like you could, you could get a Derrick King, but, you know, you don't know how that's going to turn out. Obviously, you, know, you wouldn't think it would be bad. I mean, the guy's really good. Um, well, he's already going to Miami. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if, if, even if he wasn't. Um, okay, yeah, that's like, interesting. So, yeah, it's like is you know, they can yeah, get him in for one year.
1: Same thing. You know, just yeah. just because you get an extremely talented guy, just like how Missouri got Kelly Bryant. You know, right. like, it's not like Missouri went all, you know, got Kelly Bryant and that was the missing piece, and now they're, you know, they made it to the New Year's Six Bowls or anything like that. So, right. you know, it, there's a lot, there's something to be said for, like, even though, you know, we look back at Burrow right now and, and he's the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, most prolific passer of in college football, you know, incredible season. That was not, I don't think anybody, I don't think Coach o, had this uh had this you know master plan to go and, and recruit this guy who was going to set the world on fire. He recruited a good quarterback, you know, at the time, and they saw Be- you know, better they than saw what a he lot had. Of potential. Yeah, they they didn't they saw a lot of potential, and they knew it was better than what they had. And and the rest is history. And Burrow put in a lot of that effort, and they got the they got the offense right, and they got the you know the the scheme right and everything. Everything kind of clicked. They had the receivers, they had the line, they had the, they had Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but yeah, just going out in the transfer market, it's not like you can just say, oh, we're going to get this player, and then he'll be he'll win the Heisman.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't think that would likely happen again. I mean, it's definitely possible, uh, but, you know, it just it depends. Depends how it all falls together. But, I mean, LSU's got three very good backs. I don't know if they – I don't think there's a chance that they would sign one more before National Signing Day, right? Like, we – we're going forward with... Running backs? Yeah. Is there one waiting? Is there, like, one waiting in the wings since um, we might have, like, one roster spot? Uh, I mean...
1: There's a lot of rumors, um, but I think that most people are are saying that is pretty much set with with their class right now as far as backs go. Have you you heard anything else?
2: No, I was just saying that, yeah, it looks like we're going to go with zero running backs in this class. We've got obviously uh, Ty Davis-Price and John Emery plus Chris Curry already in the backfield, and we have nobody signed right now. The, the name that everybody was tossing around, we've talked about before is Jameer Gibbs committed to Georgia tech, but just the rumors are that he's pretty firm there, which I guess is good for him. If he can be a star there and kind of too bad for us, and we really couldn't, we went over on that one, couldn't get anybody, but we definitely have the talent there. As long as we come back big in the 2021 class to get somebody somebody, there's not some sort of huge gap. We'll be fine.
1: Yeah. yeah and uh, Sean Clayton is another guy from, from Warren Easton who, who people talked about, but um, he's committed to Colorado right now. And, you know, I think a lot of people are are basically you know all the inside information or whatever says that they're not going to move on with him. That he'll he'll probably continue on to Colorado. But I'm yeah. eager. To, I am eager to see you know how you fill these these last three spots though. because you know we kind of as we talked about on our you know what almost a month ago or no exactly a month ago right? Well, a month ago in one day on uh, December 18th, you know they had the early signing day. And we missed out on a few players that we expected to sign that day. So, um, you know, I am eager to see who who we fill if we fill those spots either um, in February on official signing day, or if we wait and try to test our luck in the uh, in the transfer market.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Y'all want to go back to the coaches see who we, is coming and going here?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, same with the defense. Well, I mean, we you know that's that's all the players. So. Now, you know, who's going to coach him? Because LSU loses both their defensive and offensive coordinators. Uh, I guess we all we all kind of had a feeling Joe Brady might be going somewhere, as much as O was trying to sell that, oh, there's a plan in place. I think that plan was only for another college team uh, because it's kind of stipulated in the agreement that they'd worked on that, you know, he wasn't going to go anywhere in college. But if his dream job came up in the pros, you know, I guess they would understand. And... You know, as much as as much money as LSU wants to throw at him, you know, I think that's going to change his mind of wanting to be an NFL offensive coordinator. And you know, that opportunity came up and he took it. Who knows when it was in place? Like when he knew? Like maybe he was just looking before then. Uh, I'm sure he got calls. I'm sure his agent had calls. But um, uh, yeah, it's like where? How do you even replace Joe Brady? I don't know if you can. I think Steve Insminger is still going to be there. He's the one calling it, but obviously Brady was the mastermind of that whole offensive overhaul. But, you know, if Steve Steve Minger's there and they can just bring in some other guy to kind of help, you know, we we should be good, right? It's not like just because he's leaving, he's taking the playbook with him and they won't have those plays anymore. Yeah, I
1: saw a a funny post on Tiger Droppings where a guy was like, uh, oh no, Joe Brady's gone. He took the playbook. No one remembers anything from the meetings. He's the only person who was there. <laughs> like you know, no, like the, you know, the the rim. He still left. Everybody knows what you know what they were doing. Now he's not. You know, you might not be able to find a guy who's as innovative and as uh you know who's as dialed in. Um, you know, I was I was talking, or I think wasn't it Josh Lemoyne on the last podcast said that uh that uh you see. These, these younger guys like Joe Brady, you know, they grow up with the spread. They grow up with that just thinking that way. And so it's a little bit harder for them, uh, for older guys to, re, you know, to learn something new and be able to apply it as a second nature as, as he might. But, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about the, uh, the, one of the analysts, uh, George Munoz, who was a wide receiver coach at uh, ULL and who was there uh, as, a, as an analyst for LSU this past year and, you know, they're saying he'll kind of slide in, and he was, that, you know, he was at the Heisman Trophy ceremony with Burrow. Burrow, you know, talked about him, and talked, and they've talked about him being a big influence um, on the offense, you know, almost as much as, as Brady. So, you know, look for him to be the, uh, the guy you might hear about next year. So, you know, maybe the offense without Brady isn't as, uh, isn't as dynamic, but I don't think we're going to be uh, going back to toss-dive
0: anytime soon. Thank <laughs> God. Uh, but there's been no talk
2: uh, about
0: Insminger going or retiring or anything like that.
2: Not really, that I've when, seen. Yeah,
1: when 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 the Brady talk was happening, you know, first, oh, is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? Whatever, they were saying, oh, well, the plan is in place that Insminger will cho- You know, they'll they'll work out a retirement date, and that Brady will you know, be the heir to the OC job and that, you know, they'll already know ahead of time, you know, Inzminger will coach for another one year, two years, something like that. And that then, uh, Brady will take over. Obviously that's not going to happen. So I don't know if that, you know, maybe he has, maybe they still picked out a date, maybe not, maybe he just wants to, you know, keep coaching until whenever. Um, but I haven't heard anything.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. Well, um, and actually, uh, there is another offensive coach that's staying. Mickey Joseph was actually offered. Um, I think he was offered a job at Nebraska. Uh, he's wide receivers coach with us, but he he turned down the the job to be Nebraska's passing game coordinator, um, which is I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's he's from New Orleans. Joseph is, but he actually played quarterback at Nebraska. You know, this was back in the the Tom Osborne days. Um, so I mean it's it's kind of kind of interesting. I mean at least you have some guy staying around, and uh, you know you can't imagine that he's you know didn't have some uh some some input some effect on on the wide receivers this year because uh, they you know Joe Joe Burrow had to have somebody to pass to. Uh, so I thought that was a nice little surprise. I didn't even know you know he was even being considered, but uh, you know I guess they're just coming for everybody on LSU staff
2: at this point. Right, another guy was uh, Corey Raymond, who's the defensive backs uh, coach <laughs> yeah. and who a lot of people say kind of instituted DBU at LSU. Uh, Texas A&M offered a, him a job. I don't think it was ever really said exactly what position, maybe their defensive coordinator, but he declined it and decided to stay at LSU, which uh, big respect for him. Obviously he knows he's got some great players cooking and to, to keep that up, But so it's very good that we retained him, especially in uh, Dave Aranda's departure for the, the head coaching position at uh, Baylor.
0: Yeah, I mean, did, uh, did we kind of, did we, did we still think that this was happening? I know he was considered for Nevada or, or BYU, or I think both actually. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't, you know, nothing nothing ever came of that. But that kind of told me, all right, well, maybe he's looking. Um, maybe, I think maybe some of these guys, you know, they probably were fielding offers, but they said, I'm not deciding anything until after the, the championship game, which, you know, if that's the case, more respect to them. Uh, and that'd probably be why some of these other teams moved on and said, well, we want a guy now. So, well, sorry, I'm coaching a national championship game. I don't know. Maybe. It's just a thought. But, yeah, Rand is gone. Uh, he's going to be hard to replace. Um, you know, if maybe he can.
2: Hard to replace Matt Rule, who is now Joe Brady's head coach uh, at the Carolina Panthers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. weird how that worked out.
2: Cause yeah. It's like you
1: know, you lose Brady, but then actually there's some collateral damage because by by way of losing Brady, you actually lose Aranda.
0: Right. And then as a little sidebar, um, you know there was talk of the Panthers maybe moving up to try and get Joe Burrow. Imagine Joe Brady and Joe Burrow again, and with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Um, I know Cam's days are pretty much numbered, so that was uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, you know if that were to transpire. But, yeah, I don't know. There's been some, some names floating around for, you know, to replace Dave Aranda. Uh, the, probably one of the better candidates I've heard so far was Jim Leonard from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, he played linebacker there. He played in the, uh, in the pros as well. Uh, and he's, you know, Wisconsin's had a good defense for the last few years. So, uh, if they could get him, that'd be great. Um, yeah. I mean, he, like, that would be too straight that we pulled from Wisconsin
2: Right? Uh, he was the dc uh, wisconsin from 2013 to 2015 before he came yeah out so yeah that's true too straight we
0: would have pulled from them but uh i mean as of today nothing's nothing's been solidified yet so um i don't know D- are there any rumblings of some other guys that you that, some names that you guys saw uh you know, one I,
2: guy or oh, go ahead Tommy.
0: Uh, ahead, I, I was going
2: to say, one guy whose name I've seen mentioned, which I think is a pretty good pick, is uh, Todd Grantham, who's the defensive coordinator for the University of Florida. Uh, Florida's defense has been noted as pretty stingy the past few years. They've kind of laid claim to the DBU title themselves, although we know that's not exactly deserved. But he has been like assistant head coach, defensive coordinator of Mississippi State, Florida, uh, and has some pro experience as well. So I like him as a potential hire if he's looking to maybe – I guess you could call it a step up, um, even though it's the same position uh, for a team that may be a bit more lethal with LSU. But so that's somebody who I might like to see us look to go after. And obviously, Jim Leonard has done a good job at Wisconsin as well. They consistently rank pretty highly, although they have a different style of defense, really, than us more of a power defense and a kind of speed on the edge. Um, But uh, who'd you have, Tommy?
1: No, I was going to say, you know, I haven't heard, uh, I don't think there's, you know, some. It's weird. I haven't seen any, you know, big time names coming out there and being like floated as like, oh, this is the guy. You know what I mean? Some people
2: thought Charlie Strong may be looking to come in. Yeah, I saw that. I was not, not, uh...
1: please no. (laughs) But, um... but yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm eager to see what, uh, who we we end up with. Um, I hope, I hope it's somebody good. I hope it's not a Matt Canada situation.
0: No' side of the ball. let's get great you know, I don't think so uh i mean i at this point I, I i trust o to to hire the right coach i mean he has he's 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 been right with everyone else uh i mean he brought in James Craig and you know they had the best line in the offensive line in the nation this year so um just just a waiting game you know at this point but um hopefully it's gonna be figured out in the next few weeks because, you know. You, you got to think that these guys are also thinking of, you know, using them for recruiting, you know. Um, but I, I trust him to get the right staff in place. Yeah, and know, that's pay him one well. thing
1: that he's been, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty candid about is that, at you know, as, as uh, he started out as a head coach at, at uh, Ole Miss and then you know interim at USC and then his first times at LSU, you know, he didn't get the uh, didn't get the, the staffing right. And that he's finally started clicking now, and he kind of understands what he needs and what he doesn't need, and what you know that kind of thing. So, I think you're right um, that you know he'll. I think we're in good hands,
0: right? And especially
1: yeah. also knowing that we have Scott Woodward, who is uh, who is willing to to do what it takes to get the right people and retain
0: the right people. Hmm. Oh, do you think though that it'll be one of these? Um, I I don't think. Let me say this. I don't think uh, money would be an issue at this point, but, um, I mean, O's salary isn't that extravagant. Uh, you know, who knows if he's going to renegotiate. But, I mean, that's why they could afford to pay Aranda, you know, $2.5 million uh, and these other guys a lot more. Uh, I'd be worried about losing Corey Raymond, though, um, just just because he, ha- he has kind of helped build DBU. Um, I don't know if they're even considering him. For the defensive coordinator, I don't know if that's something he's pushing for, but um, you know, you'd hate to lose lose him too. But uh, uh, they should be able to afford anyone that they want to get.
1: Yeah, right. you know, we made didn't we made Oranda the highest paid uh, what highest paid assistant coach in college football?
0: Yeah, yep. two and so, half
1: million a year. So I mean, you know, just by that, and then knowing that um, that Scott Woodward was the guy who gave uh, gave Jimbo Fisher seventy five million dollars to to coach at a And M. You know, I think that money's not going to be the uh, the thing that doesn't get us the people we
0: want. Right. Um. So yeah, man. What 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 else? What haven't we covered so far? What I don't know.
2: Say, you I know? think that's pretty much it. I mean, we're we'll be talking about this season for a long time, I imagine, and we'll we'll be comparing every subsequent season to this one for better or worse. I would say.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, do you? Uh... Do you even think it's? I don't know. To me, it kind of goes in one of those, one of those scenarios where, you know, can you? Is it even possible to top this season? Um, would it be possible for another LSU quarterback to even match, you know, what Joe Burrow has done? You know, it's going to take a special quarterback with a special group around him, and you know, the right coaches and all that. I just, I don't know if it's likely.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll have a good year uh, next year, but one thing that's kind of strange to think about is that it had only been 12 years since our last national championship. I say 12 years only. It's still a long time, but it's a lot less time than a lot of these other big teams have had since their last national championship. And uh, the LSU fans are a notoriously kind of fickle and angry bunch, so it's a bit scary to think that if things kind of do take a slight turn for the worse next year, maybe the year after, then the whole cycle might kind of Repeat itself, and then people will be coming for blood again, but I'll try not to think about that for now and just enjoy uh, the party while we can
1: yeah we could we can let's we can save the speculation for next season. let's do that next pod
2: yeah
0: I think everyone has been all in in enjoying uh this title game, just with how the the players and the coaches and the fans uh just i don't know this title seems just that much more special than, you know, the last one in 2007. Uh, you know, they kind of defied odds that year, being a two-loss team, but, you know, this team surpassed everyone's expectations and, you know, probably put LSU in a position where they're never going to have a you know a, a team a- achieve quite the same amount in the same year. You know, LSU could have another Heisman winner two years from now, but is that going to be coupled with a, a Blitnikoff winner? Is that going to be coupled with a coach of the year, assistant uh, coach of the year, uh, along with the best offensive line of the year, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I I think it was just a, this is a rarity that we we just witnessed. But, yeah, let's enjoy it. Um, You know, maybe it will bring some more joys come the National Signing Day. But, um, I don't know, I think LSU fans know that they're not going to get this exact season next year. They just don't want to see, like, a huge dip, a huge drop-off to where, you know, you're like, wh- where are we going? We seem like a rudderless ship, which is kind of where it went with the Miles era, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we have to worry about that, though.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that we'll, you
0: know, this is, this is
1: a, we said, it, we said it at the beginning of the season, you know, uh, we needed to take another step in the right direction, compete for, a, for this college football playoff, you know, make an appearance, and then compete for a national championship. We clearly competed for the college football playoff and clearly competed for national championship because we won the dang thing. So now, um, you know, we, it's not that you have to, we have to go back to the championship again next year. It's not that we have to, uh, to, you know, win it next year. But what we do need to do is, you know, go to the, make an appearance, maybe, you know, compete for, compete for the playoff and, uh, and, you know, win, win some big games. And compete against you know the top level uh, ta- uh, you know teams that we're going to play. Uh, I think as long as we do that, we'll be fine for the future, and we'll we'll be up there with one of the as one of the you know top five programs in the country.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, anything else that you uh, that you guys wanted to get in? We've got uh, a pretty full pod, but we probably got some time for s- some other small things if you want to touch on them.
2: I'm not sure. I think this is a good way to kind of close the book on such a, a magical 2019 season as we look towards the next one in 2020. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to all our listeners who stuck with us through this uh, first real kind of year of podcasting and, and enjoyed this huge ride with us, and I, I hope you'll be back again for next year. We'll be still coming out with podcasts, hopefully every single week. Um, now we'll be turning to to the the basketball tigers as they they've been having a, a decent season so far, but obviously we've been going crazy on football, so we'll look on from there and then remember this one and then keep going in the future. Yeah, we'll just be tuning into those Dunkin' Tigs. <laughs> uh which by the way, that was
0: actually going to be one of my uh my parting thoughts was um you know in the midst and that was which was almost lost in you know in all this but you know for good reason. Because uh, LSU just had such a phenomenal season, but LSU basketball has started off pretty darn good themselves. They're 12 and 4 in their undefeated in SEC play. But not only that, is they had like this dramatic uh, game-winning shot from Skylar Mays earlier this week, and it was just uh, the highlights are still there. It's kind of kind of amazing. I I think I remember watching him do a, a similar uh, game-winning shot last year, almost almost the same way, in fact. Uh, but yeah, your Tigers are are, uh, are sitting pretty in, in basketball. So uh, for those wondering what do I do now that this LSU football season is over with, well, you can turn your focus to basketball because they're, they're looking pretty good also. Uh, and baseball too, and, and uh, gymnastics. Plenty of uh, excellence to go around in Baton Rouge. Um, but that'll do it for us this week on Talking Tigs. Uh, once again, thanks to our listeners for such a Amazing season. Hope you go stick with us through the off season because we're going to be here delivering you content each week. Uh, at least that's the plan. Uh, but we will uh, definitely be be with you next week. So uh, catch us then. And uh, have a good week. Enjoy this title. Watch the game over. Watch the highlights. Watch the celebrations. Just soak it up while you can, LSU fans, because this one is special. Uh, but that'll do it for us on Talking Ticks. We'll talk to you next time. Go, Tigers.